Welcome. Happy Sunday, everybody. Why don't we start our time, as we should, opening in prayer. Father in heaven, we're so grateful that you've redeemed us and, Lord, made it a joyful thing for us to be together. Today, Lord, we pray that you're blessed and pleased by this time we have together, and we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be here teaching us and opening your word to us. And today, Lord, we pray that uh, all of this time together, from the singing to the sharing to the the preaching uh, to the response that we have in each of our hearts, Lord, that it would be to the great and awesome glory of Jesus Christ, our Savior. In his name we pray. Amen. So as we continue in our series this morning, I want to remind you that we're talking about God's church, and I'd like to start today with some flavor, some flavor from the book of Ezekiel. So let's turn to Ezekiel 47. Ezekiel 47, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. Uh, The imagery in Ezekiel's prophecy points to an end-time temple out of which a river of healing water flows and gives life to everywhere it touches. Just let Ezekiel's words minister to your heart as I read from this passage, starting in verse 1. Then he brought me... Back to the door of the house, and behold, water was flowing from under the threshold of the house toward the east, for the house faced east, and the water was flowing down from under, from the right side of the house, south, or from the south of the altar. He brought me out by way of the north gate, and led me around on the outside to the outer gate by way of the gate that faces east, and behold, water was trickling from the south side. When the man went out toward the east with a line in his hand, he measured a thousand cubits, and he led me through the water, water reaching the ankles. He, again, he measured a thousand and led me through the, through the water, water reaching the knees. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water, water reaching the loins. Again, he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not ford. For the water had risen, enough water to swim in, a river that could not be forded. He said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me back to the bank of the river. Now when I had returned, behold, on the bank of the river, there were very many trees on the one side and on the other. Then he said to me, These waters go out toward the eastern region and go down into the Areba. They go down toward the sea, being made to flow into the sea, and the waters of the sea become fresh. And it will come about that every living creature which swarms in every place where the river goes will live. And there will be very many fish, for these waters go there and the others become fresh, so everything will live where the river goes. And it will come about that fishermen will stand beside it, from Engedi to Aneglium, there will be a place for the spreading of nets. Their fish will be according to their kinds, like the fish of the great sea, very many. But its swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. By the river on its bank, on one side and on the other, will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. They will bear every month because their water flows from the sanctuary. 
and their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. An ever-expanding flow of a river coming out of the temple, life to everywhere it flows. Water from this river even brings life to dead places, like lifeless salt waters. Every place it touches, it becomes fresh, so life can flourish. And the trees that grow by the river's edge grow all kinds of food, and they just keep producing continuously every month of the year. And their leaves, the leaves nourished by this river, are leaves for healing. That might sound familiar to you. There's imagery similarly in Revelation 22, verse 1. John writes and says, Then he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb, and in the middle of its street. On either side of the river was the tree of life, bearing twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. A crystal clear river flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb, waters of life, nourishing trees, trees that bear 12 kinds of fruit, 12 months of the year, and their leaves heal the nations. This morning as we continue our series on the church, we're focusing on the life flow of the church, the life flow of the church. The city of God is the river city, and out of the city's temple flows a river of living water, and it heals and gives life as it flows across the land. If you don't have water, you don't have a community. And in this community, the city of God, maybe the essential mark of the church is that the word of God flows ever increasingly as the church is built and the earth is filled with God's glory. Our focus today is the centrality of the word in the life of this heavenly city. So let's be careful to see as we consider the ministry of his word this morning that God's word is the life flow of his church. God's word is the life flow of his church. The spirit-enlivened word of God is the city's life-giving river. We repent in response to the truth of God's word. We're born of the truth. We're sanctified by the truth. We sing the truth. And we proclaim the truth like a river flowing out of us, the holy temple in the Lord, healing nations through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wherever this river flows... By the living and active word of God's spirit, life happens. Dead things come to life. Salt seas become fresh. Fruit is produced and life flourishes. At Hayden Bible Church, we believe and teach that God's word is, first of all, God exhaled, breathed out from God. And he used his prophets and apostles as instruments in revealing his word to us in our Bibles. You you might remember Paul talking to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3. All scripture is breathed out by God. 2 Peter 1, 21. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Spirit spoke from God. And even, we even see their, as they spoke from God, we even see their personalities come through. But the source of the word is from God, spoken of God. 
As well at Hayden Bible Church, we believe that God's word is inerrant. It's completely true and truthful in all that it teaches. It's inerrant. It's also infallible. We believe that it's unfailing in its purpose. It will achieve the purpose for which God sent it. And then finally, we believe as well that God's word is immutable. It never changes. It's stable. His word is reliable. It's constant, and it's always there. And it's sourced from God in its inerrancy, in its infallibility, uh, in its immutability. God's word is the only valid source for Christian doctrine. And that's why this is a Bible church. As we think through the centrality of the word in the life of God's church, Isaiah 55 helps us to see the sovereign and providential purpose, certainly the infallibility or unfailing purpose that God has ordained for his word. Isaiah 55, 10 and 11, Isaiah writes and says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth, and make it bear and sprout and furnish seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. The word of God flows from the temple of the city of God and it will succeed in the manner for which God sends it. And so if you're a born-again Christian this morning, you and I know by personal experience, first of all, consider, we know by personal experience that we repent at the hearing of the truth. In the city of God, we repent at the hearing of the truth. We repent at the word of God. The word accomplishes what he desires. Just as God proclaimed in Isaiah, the word which goes forth from his mouth will accomplish his desire. The word will succeed in the manner for which he sent it. And by the convicting ministry of God's Holy Spirit, the word of God produces repentance as it convicts us of sin. Have you repented? How do you know you've repented? Does a, by the way, does a question like that even seem weird to you? Maybe a surprise? How would you know that you've repented? Repentance is a change of attitude and action. It's a, it's a profound change of heart. A, a turning about from a life marked by slavery to sin, turning to a life focused on God, and, and, and an affection for obedience to the word, a life a life in the spirit of God now, producing the fruits of God. A repentant heart asks forgiveness and makes restitutions for wrongs committed. A repentant heart is a humbled heart, seeking God's way instead of its own. A repentant heart battles against sin and, sees the, and, and, and desires the pure milk of the word, endeavoring to live rightly, before our God. It hungers and thirsts for righteousness. A repentant heart goes the opposite direction of the world and seeks the heart, seeks the heart and will of God instead. As such, a repentant heart is a holy heart. Repentance is you stepping down off of your own self-perceived throne and bowing before the throne of the Lord Jesus. It's a yielding to the lordship of Christ. Repentance is a yielding to the lordship of Christ. Repentance says in 1 Corinthians 15 that 
that a repentance that produces a heart that says he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. Repentance says I was his enemy, but now he's my Lord. I must submit to him. God's word is the life flow of his church. And repentance is the beginning of that life. You might remember from Acts chapter 1, and Peter preached in the power of the Holy Spirit, preaching the word of God to the men of Israel. Near the end of his preaching about Christ, in Acts 2, Peter preaches and says, For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies the footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. This was shocking to the people listening. They were pierced to the heart, the word says. And in a show of repentant humility, they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. They heard the word about God, and by the work of God's Spirit, they repented. The word of God is central, central in the life of his church. We repent at the hearing of the truth. I remember one summer I was managing the street construction project up in Newport, Washington, and and even though the engineering firm had an office right in town, there was a job shack that we put up down at the job site. So on a lot of days, just to connect with people in the office, I would go up from the job site and go up and have lunch with the guys in the office, the other guys that worked there. And a lot of those guys were Christians. They like to talk about the end times. They like to talk about judgment. They like to talk about hell. Things that honestly at the time made me mad and concerned, but mostly mad. And I would say to them, I'd say, no God that I would believe in would ever judge people like that. And then I would harass them, and I would tell them that carbon dating had had proven all of this stuff true, and you guys were flat earthers. In a first world sense... I used to be a persecutor of Christians. And these guys got a front row street to what that felt like. And one day I needed to go to this meeting in downtown Spokane, from Newport to downtown Spokane. So I decided to go through Post Falls. And one of the guys that worked there, he said, hey, could you stop at this office in Post Falls? It's a ministry place. And, and just see what they have there. I want to know if they, I could go there and buy stuff. And so I reluctantly agreed. And when I stopped there, I walked into this office. It was a ministry office. There was one guy's face on every piece of material that they had. And so I thought, oh, this is obviously a cult. (laughs) And so I was, and it wasn't Jesus' face, by the way. So I decided it was a place full of crazies, like the guy that I'd spent my time at lunch back at the main office. But before I left, they said, hey, here's a cassette tape. Who remembers cassette tapes? Uh, here's a cassette tape, and, and so that tells you how long ago it was. And then also, here's a booklet. Give it to your friend. So when I went back to my pickup, I got back on, it was Ross Point, I got back on I-90 and I started heading towards Spokane, and for whatever reason, I stuck the tape into my tape deck. And I heard the gospel, the word of God. 
I was pierced to the heart and I cried out to the Lord for salvation that day. In the twinkling of an eye, Jesus had become Lord and Christ of my heart on I-90. And after that, I couldn't wait to get more tapes. I, wanted to get, I kept looking at my watch, hoping the meeting would end because I'd repented. I turned completely around. If those guys would have been there, they would have dropped to their knees and praised God. The word of God was flowing like a river from his throne, and it succeeded in the manner for which it sent it. It brought life to where there was only deadness. And I repented, and I acknowledged him as my Lord and Christ that day. Have you repented? Have you been pierced to the heart because of your guilt and shame? Based on the word of God, how would you know that your repentance is real? Wouldn't you want to know that? Wouldn't, wouldn't that be the best thing for you to know? The, the real, genuine thing. I'm, I'm concerned that there's some of us here because we're performers, in a sense. People that, that want to look good in front of people, or people that are achievers, people that are builders. Maybe even there's an engineer or two out here. People who are even insecure, maybe. Sometimes it seems like we're quick to say, of, well, of course I've repented. I, I agree with all this. Even, I even know the right words to say. Not wanting to stand out as a disappointment or a failure in the Christian crowd. Not wanting to per- others to perceive that I don't have maybe what they have. And so we, pre- we pretend repentance. But I want to tell you this morning, that's not what this is about. That's not what this is about. This is real. This is spiritual. It's not superficial. It's not for show. Have you really repented from your heart? There's a real, alive, living God who stands on his throne, sits at his throne, and grants repentance by his word, uh, by his power. Turn from your pathway. Repent and turn to Christ. Next, consider in the river city, not only do we repent at hearing the truth, but we're born of the truth. We're born of the truth in this city. And listen, in John 6, 63, Jesus says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. The words Jesus spoke are spirit and are life. And the Holy Spirit and his word are so intertwined and it's imperceivable but the, that the ministry of the word would be fruitful or be spirit and life without the spirit himself, the Holy Spirit of the triune God giving its life. The natural reasoning and emotions of people are completely unable to produce anything spiritual. God has to do it. And he uses his word to achieve the purpose for which he sent it. And in the church, that's our new birth. Jesus tells Nicodemus, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he, can never, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. This isn't natural. It's spiritual. Remember Ezekiel's prophecy for God's people in the new covenant. He writes and says, In Ezekiel 36, I don't have it on the screen. For I will take you from the nations, gather you from all the lands, 
gather you from all the lands, even Hayden, and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will be careful to observe my ordinances, he says. Cleansed in the water of the word, born of the spirit of God, a whole new spirit in them with a heart hungering and thirsting now for righteousness. A heart transformed, transformed, metamorphosized through the washing of regeneration by the spirit. Peter tells the chosen ones of God in 1 Peter, he says, You have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living and enduring word of God. He says, For all flesh is like grass, and all its, its glory is like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off. But the word of the Lord endures forever immutable. And this is the word which was preached to you. We're born of the word. God's word is the life flow of his church. Peter continues in the next chapter of 1 Peter. He says, therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. Which brings us to our next waypoint on the centrality of the word in the church. And it's the truth that we're sanctified by the truth. We're sanctified by the truth. We have a whole biblical counseling ministry here at Hayden Bible Church. This ministry is is simply a group of people that we called skilled friends. Skilled friends. Skilled in the ministry of the word. Ministering to the needs of individuals or couples or families who are hurting or confused. A ministry of the word flowing out of the church. We, we're even fortunate to have people from the community, people that don't even go here, come to receive from the ministry of this river flowing out. In the Apostle Paul's writings to Timothy, you'll remember that he writes that all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. The whole counsel of God, from Genesis to Revelation, yes, even Revelation, even Leviticus, is profitable for your sanctification. God's word is the life flow of his church. We're sanctified by the truth. So our biblical counseling ministry is a ministry where we open our Bibles and seek help, the help that God has intended for us to have. The help that he has intended for us to have even from the word that he sent us. And by his sovereign will, the same word that he has ordained to achieve the purpose for which he sent it. Remember from Ephesians 4. That we are as a church being molded into the fullness of the image of Christ. We're He's working through the word to make us a mature church. A bride who has made herself ready. 
adorned fully in the righteousness of Christ, displaying his glory as lights shine in darkness, holy as he is holy. Your sanctification, by the way, isn't dependent on you making an appointment with one of our biblical counselors. It's really, at some level at least, dependent on you drinking deeply from the crystal clear river from the throne of God, the life-giving word. Again, Peter says, like you were a baby, just like you were a baby in desperate need of mother's milk, just like that, you must long for his word to drink deep so that you can actually grow for real. How many here believe that? That real growth and change come from the ministry of the word to your heart. Are you a person who seeks out kind of philosophies of the world to cope with life or even be successful in life? Or is the word of God your central sufficient supply? Is what you seek to help to find help betraying your true belief maybe that God's word is irrelevant in real things in your mind? Or maybe it just seems like too much work. When you can just get some triple antibiotic ointment and put it on the surface. Paul tells Timothy that the word is profitable. It's gainful, lucrative in a sense. The word is beneficial. It will achieve the purpose for which God sent it. In another word, it's infallible. It's profitable for teaching, God's instruction for all of life and godliness. It's profitable for reproof, identifying sin and wrong behavior or beliefs, wrong focus of worship even, because I can't see straight all the time. My vision is smeared and blurry. I need help. The word is profitable for correction, resetting things in their proper order, helping those of us who have stumbled to get back on our right pathway for good things now. It's profitable for training in righteousness. The Bible doesn't merely boil down to, as some of us probably think, just a book that points out how much of an idiot I am. That's not what the Bible is ending at. It helps me look forward, training in a positive sense. So I can be ready. It's the real source of real success. The success that God wants. The lasting success. Can you see God's kindness in giving us his word? His love for the church. His careful and tender care for us. He is kind. And we praise his great name for it here, for for this flow of crystal clear living water from his throne, bringing life that bubbles up from within us. Let's consider as well this morning, not only do we repent, and not only do we come to life, and not only are we sanctified, or we're matured by the truth, but we sing the truth. We sing the truth every Sunday, don't we? In John 5, Jesus told a woman, he said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him. And he would have given you living water. Living water from the Lamb. 
A few verses down, he says to the same lady, an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. The lady had kind of grown up with a more mechanical and, and dry understanding of worship. She was used to the thought that you had to be in a certain place to worship, that there maybe was some sort of a manual somewhere, and, and you read certain spiritual-sounding things from that manual, things that might have been expressed as worship by someone somewhere at some point, but not her. Is that your experience with worship? Is it mechanical? You can only be in the sanctuary of that one place. Maybe certain body positions are only acceptable than other body positions. Maybe someone reads the directions from a publication from headquarters. But it's not from the heart. It's not based on truth. Here's what God says about that regarding the uninterested leaders of Israel at the time. And he says, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites. As it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. That's not what he wants. He wants worship in spirit, from the heart, pierced by his mercy and grace, a a heart loving God, wanting him. A heart enjoying him, enamored with him, born again in him. He wants worship based on truth, not the doctrines and precepts of men, but from his word. The words we sing to God are sourced in God. The worship he wants must be based on the word of God. And sourced from hearts born of the Spirit of God. Anything else would be in vain. Our worship must be holy. It's not for common use. It's it's for Him. It's not to be like anything else. Our worship should be like a sermon in itself. Beautiful and pleasing to God. By the way, Revelation 14.2 is a stunning and brilliant point of praise in Scripture. The fullness of the saints, purchased by the blood, singing praise to our wonderful God. Listen to what they sound like. John writes and says, I heard a voice from heaven like the sound of many waters. There's that river city again. And like the sound of thunder. And the voice which I heard was like the sound of harpists playing their harps. The word of God in praise flowing out of his saints, thundering as they lift up their voices in praise like harpists playing their harps. That worship is the worship that blesses the heart of our great God. It pleases him. We're blessed here with so many gifted and talented saints in our music ministry led by quality men leading us in worship, careful to to lead us and shepherd us in right worship. God's word is the life flow of his church. It flows from us of thundering praise, like, like a symphony of harps as we lift up his great name in spirit and truth. 
Finally, this morning, as in our praise, so with our testimony. In God's church, we proclaim the truth. We proclaim the truth. For several weeks, we've been singing that wonderful Getty song, O Church Arise. I love this song. It's, it's, the, it's a song acknowledging that Jesus Christ is King. He's the mighty conqueror. He's our captain. A song that acknowledges that you and I receive our strength for the battle from him. And that our battle is to rage against the captor, the deceiving enemy of souls, as we wield the weapon, the sword of the spirit, the loving the captive soul so that the wounded can become whole, so that they're healed. Why do we do this? So that Christ will have the prize for which he died. That's our mission. That's our desire. An inheritance of nations. In Mark 2.17, Jesus said, It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. The nations of the world are full of sick people. And we, you, I, the church, we're, we have the leaves for their healing. As the word spreads, the kingdom spreads. As the gospel spreads, the healing spreads. There's a pattern I want you to see this morning, if you haven't noticed it before in the book of Acts. So we're going to exposit the entire letter today. You can see as you read through Acts, the spread of the kingdom of God as the word is preached. In fact, you could graph it on paper. I'm not sure if they still make graph paper, but you could graph it. And in Acts 2, remember, the Spirit filled God's temple, filled God's people. And what happened? God's people began to preach his word. And like the expanding river in Ezekiel, in Acts 6-7, the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly. And then in Acts 12, the word of God increased and multiplied. And then in Acts 13, the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. And then in Acts 19, the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Like leaven spreading through dough or a mustard seed overtaking the whole garden, as the word spreads, the kingdom spreads. And the glory of God floods like a river unable to be forded. His hearts are healed. In Revelation 1.15, John described his voice like the sound of many waters. Waters flowing from the word of God himself that he gives, healing repentant souls. Waters becoming a well inside of them, springing up to eternal life. The word of God and the gospel is the healing leaves of the souls of people. We have that medicine in the church. We're the only ones on the planet with that medicine. No one else has it. We are his hands and feet, preaching and teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ for the salvation of his bride. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. Don't be afraid to preach the word. Don't ever be afraid to preach the word. Jesus, our captain, 
The word made flesh. He's the first and the last. He's the living one. He was dead. But behold, he is alive forevermore. And he himself has the keys of death and Hades. He has those keys. All authority has been given to him in heaven and earth. You don't have to be afraid. Will you proclaim him? Will you take up the sword today? This king, through what seems foolish to preach by the world, he subdues powerful kingdoms under his feet through the changed hearts of new birth in the preaching of his word. In Revelation 1.5, he's, he's the ruler of the kings of the earth. In Revelation 1.16, out of his mouth comes a sharp two-edged sword. In chapter 19, he's clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And he conquers the kingdoms of this world from the inside out by the Word of God from the depths of the newborn soul to his glory lived out as his people shine like a city on a hill. We proclaim the truth here. The living word. We proclaim the gospel of his kingdom in North Idaho and everywhere else we go. One of my heroes, Martin Lloyd-Jones, said, the primary task of the church, the primary task of the church and the Christian minister is the preaching of the word of God. Remember, faith comes from hearing. Hearing the word of Christ. Because God's word is the life flow of his church. And, and we proclaim his truth here. As we close this morning, consider Psalm 46 4. Psalm 46 4. There is a river whose streams. Make glad the city of God. The holy dwelling places of the Most High. A crystal clear flow from the throne of God and of the Lamb. From the temple bringing life to everywhere it flows by the Holy Spirit. It brings life to where there was only death. It brings freshness to salt places. It makes dry bones live, right? It makes deserts flourish. It nourishes leaves for the healing of nations. It conquers kingdoms from the inside out. It nourishes and matures the saints. It gives the hope of the bodily return of our king. So now we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. God's word is the life flow of his church. We repent at it. We are born of it. We're sanctified by it. We sing it and we proclaim it with full confidence that it will accomplish what he desires and it will succeed in the manner for which he sent it. Whether that be the just condemnation or the redemption of a soul, conviction or sanctification, God's word will not return to him void. Shine your light today. Open your Bibles and proclaim the word here. Word of God, speak. Would you pour down like rain, washing my eyes to see your majesty? Speak, O Lord, and fulfill in us, 
in us all your purposes for your glory. Let's pray. What a blessing, Lord, that you've ordained the keeping of your word through the centuries. Lord, this word is the life flow of our souls. It's the life flow of your church. It's the central focus by the power of your Holy Spirit of our lives. Lord, thank you for your living word. Lord, we pray today that as this water flows out of Hayden Bible Church into the city of Hayden, into Coeur d'Alene, into Kokolala Bible Camp, Lord, we, we pray that the, that the healing properties of the fruit produced from this ministry of the word going out from this place would be all to your glory and it would achieve the purpose for which you intended it. In Jesus' name, amen.